Hi, and welcome to 5 Minutes of Rum, Notes on Rum, A Few Minutes at a Time. My name is Kevin Up the Grove. In today's episode, we're going back to Jamaica for a rum that was on everyone's lips in, the, in August of 2017, right around the time of Tiki Oasis 17. Since my production process operates on island time, I got right to procuring a bottle of my own and writing this episode. And just a scant 11 months later, here we are to discuss Dr. Bird. Uh, Dr. Bird Rum took me by surprise right away because of my initial perception that the name was a little curious and the price point was pretty reasonable. Nothing wrong with that, but I wasn't sure what this rum would be uh, all about. So uh, it was actually an interesting experiment. In addition to the Dr. Bird, I also have Jeffrey Morgenthaler's new book, Drinking Distilled, a user's manual, and a delicious no-frills planner's punch recipe. It's all right here in episode 81 of 5 Minutes of Rum. As mentioned in the intro, Dr. Bird is the name of a rum originating from Jamaica, the rum itself produced at Worthy Park Estate. Just to put the issue of the unusual name to bed right away, the Dr. Bird is the national bird of Jamaica. So while the name makes sense in that context, I was actually unaware until this rum was produced that there was such a thing as a Dr. Bird. Uh, moving on, this is a pot still rum imported, finished, and bottled by the Two James Spirits Company based in Detroit, Michigan. Their spirits line includes gin, vodka, bourbon, rye whiskey, and of course, rye, rye whiskey, rye whiskey, and of course, Dr. Bird. So let's get on to tasting this bird. So the Dr. Bird Jamaican rum, uh, talk about appearance. So the 750 milliliter dark green tinted bottle is uh, medium tall and has a wood cap and a synthetic cork. The label is nicely drawn and gives the package the feel of a rum from maybe the mid-20th century versus a more contemporary look. There's a hand-drawn look to the label that's pretty interesting. Uh, the label actually hits all the key elements of the rum, even if they don't go deep into the production itself, which we'll talk about later. Uh, the rum itself, when you pour it, is a very straw, uh, pale straw color in the glass. Aroma-wise, butterscotch was kind of the first note I observed after the pour. So just pouring that into a glass and sort of um, being in the same room, butterscotch was sort of what wafted towards me. Uh, when I inhaled from the actual bottle itself, I'm greeted with the traditional high ester funkiness used to describe many a Jamaican rum. Uh, there's also a sweetness present and maybe a, a hint of, of crispness, uh, excuse me, crispness, kind of like a, a green apple. So the way that that's a little bit tart and a little bit crisp, you know, kind of counterbalancing the uh, the sweetness from the fruits. Um, in the glass, it opened up a bit more, obviously, uh, but stayed well behaved in terms of nasal burn. So um, it's not really like one that's going to attack your, your nose when you sniff it out of a glass. I'm not really picking out any certain fruits of it. I have this glass in front of me. But I would suggest, that generally speaking, there's a tropical fruit and the ever-present butterscotch um, that makes up the sort of sugar or sweet component. Uh, in terms of taste, to, to taste the rum is to get some of that expected heat, so it delivers a little bit on the promise that you expect from a 100-proof rum. Uh, the rum has a relatively thin mouthfeel, but the warmth health fills in that gap, so maybe not as as uh, um, not as much of a complex mouthfeel as, as some other Jamaican rums, but I think the warmth kind of uh, sort of rounds that out. Uh, there's some more of that tropical fruit that I was talking about in terms of the aroma that's in play in terms of the taste and also um, some ripe banana specifically. Um, I don't pick up many notes that would be present in a barrel aged rum like vanilla or oak or pepper. Um, it's actually, you know, overall a nice juicy rum is the way I describe it that is subtly nudging you towards using this in a cocktail versus uh, actually tasting it neat. Uh, when it comes to finish, the finish is actually initially short. However, I noticed over the course of my two-ounce pour and subsequent two-ounce pour that there was a warmth coming from the back of my throat and sort of settling in at the back of my mouth. So 
what I thought initially was not a very defining characteristic in terms of the finish actually ended up being pretty complex as it changed over time. So one of the aspects I would consider on a finish is if it changes as, as you actually enjoy the rum, that lends itself to being a little bit more complex. And I would say that actually is a good finish as opposed to something that just kind of disappears completely. So it actually got a little bit better over time. Uh, to sum up, this this is a, a funky and yet also well-behaved Jamaican rum. It's not aggressive or overly aggressive like a Smith & Cross, which I also enjoy, but it's a different animal. And while it's light um, as in, while it's light as an enjoyable rum, or let me say, while it's light, neat when you enjoy it, um, I really think it's made to mix and enjoy in cocktails. And with its high ester flavor profile, I think it would actually work in a number of recipes, both simple and layered. The Doctor Bird seems as though it would be able to hold its own um, and hold its own identity when mixed with the rums. There's enough of its personality that I think would poke through, even if you did like a two or three rum cocktail. Uh, that said, when it comes to the cocktail, I actually like to take the simple approach. All right, let's dig into this rum a little bit uh, in more in depth and talk about its production and where it comes from. So though the info on the label and the official site is light, I did receive a PDF with facts about this rum uh, sent to me by Brian DiMaggio of Kapu Cocktail. Uh, Brian and Neil run the Kapu Cocktail website. They interviewed me for their site a couple years ago. And Brian and I meet up from time to time at Tonga Hut's Rum Rum Club. So I was uh, very enthusiastic um, to get this information from Brian. I thank him very much for sending me this PDF one sheet that he got from the distributors of the rum. Um, they gave a little bit more details about the production process. It's not super deep, but it does give a little bit more background on what makes up this rum. The high-level view is that two James, uh, that's the distributor and the ones that are doing the blending, they're buying a blend of rums produced by Worthy Park in Jamaica, uh, more on them shortly. Uh, they, they, they being two James, then combine those rums to create their blend. And they let the uh, blend rest in Moscatel barrels for about three months as their finishing move. Uh, digging in just a little bit more, you'll see that the blend is of three rums. It is a six-year high ester rum, a unaged high ester rum, and a unaged medium ester rum. The proportions that make up those rums are not defined, not specifically defined, of course, as that's part of the magic of the blend. But uh, a blender, in this case, um, their job is they will add just enough of, say, the high ester rum to give it the funkiness that they desire for the final product without without actually blowing out all the other flavors of the other components. So there's an art to blending those those different rums together to get to excuse me, to get to the product that you want to get to. The blend is done by two James, as I mentioned, um, and finished in Moscatel casks. Moscatel is a is a wine similar to a port wine. Um, it gives it a little bit, I, I guess. From that cast, there's a little bit of sweetness that they might impart on the rum. I don't think it's too heavy on the actual finished product, but it gives it maybe a little bit, uh, something to balance out the, the high esterness of, of part of the components of the rum. Um, two James, they say that they wanted to produce a high ester Jamaican rum. That was their goal, but that the Michigan climate itself doesn't lend itself to such a rum. So they produce many of their own spirits within Detroit, Michigan, but they felt they couldn't get to what they wanted to get with this rum um, by do, producing it locally. That's why they're importing it. So... They did indeed design this this particular blend of rums with cocktails in mind, which I anticipated when I was doing my tasting. Uh, the bottles come in at a very reasonable $25 for a standard 750 milliliter bottle. You may see uh, variance in prices, but at least at K&L, it comes in around $25 a bottle. The rum is packaged at 100 proof or 50 ABV, which again is great for a cocktail to give it some punch and pun definitely intended uh, without making it too powerful or too, uh, too uh, over the top. Uh, so you, sometimes we add a 151. Uh, that might be what you want. 
um, to give it the cocktail a little bit more uh, oomph. But in this case, I think the Hunter Proof is great for using in a sort of a standard cocktail recipe and give it just a little bit more kick without making it too much of an ass kicker. And as discussed in episode 74 related to Hamilton Jamaican uh, rum, Worthy Park Estate is a privately owned sugar facility, excuse me, uh, sugar factory and distillery in Jamaica located near the center of the island in the St. Catherine Parish. Uh, so Worthy Park is producing the rums that are used in both the Hamilton pot still Jamaican rum as well as the um, the rum we're talking about today, the Dr. Bird. Um, Hamden, excuse me, not Hamden, Worthy Park, got my manufacturers confused. Worthy Park, they currently produce three of their own rums under the rum bar name. There's the rum bar white overproof, which is a, a nod to the favorite style of Jamaican rum consumers, kind of like rum fire and J Ray. There's the rum bar gold and a rum bar or a rum cream, which is kind of like a mixer. And of course, they produce rum for others to use and buy in their own rum blends. Uh, the Worthy Park themselves, they date back to 1670, and they primarily primarily distill molasses in their 18,000-liter copper pot still. Now, if I were to, say, take uh, Hamilton Jamaican Gold Rum, which is also from Worthy Park, and compare that to the Dr. Bird, um, they're both, again, they're both sourced the same way, but they use different blends to make up their, their final product. So the Hamilton, if you look at it, is even lighter in color than the, the uh, Dr. Bird. The aroma is less sweet and a little bit more astringent, so they're going for a little bit different profile in terms of the rum. And the body on the Hamilton is a little bit heavier um, and a little bit drier compared to the Dr. Bird. So all in all, when you taste them side by side, knowing that they're both blends from Worthy Park, it actually makes for an interesting experiment to see if you pull different rum blends or different uh, rums that they're producing at Worthy Park and blend them in different ways, how you can get to a different final product. Um, it's actually a really good experiment to see the uh, the thing that rum blenders bring to the table when it comes to producing rum um, and get to the flavor, flavor profile that they're actually trying to get to. For example, the blend with Hamilton is a blend of extra light, light, and heavy ester rums, which is different from the blend that's used in the Dr. Bird. It also means that each rum in the same recipe may not yield equal results, and the, indeed the experience will be subjective. So, for example, you can use uh, Hamilton Jamaican Gold Rum and Dr. Bird Jamaican Rum in the same recipe. They're both Jamaican rums, they're both from Worthy Park, but they are different blends, and you will get very different results on the recipe depending on um, which rum you use. So, very interesting to, to compare those side by side and see when uh, somebody's going for a particular end result, um, how they compile or how they uh, comprise that uh, particular blend. So let's get a little bit into the book report section of episode 81, and that would be on Drinking Distilled, a user's manual. And now a new book from Jeffrey Morgenthaler was released this past April. You guys will remember Mr. Morgenthaler from his excellent book, The Bar Book, from a few years back. Um, I guess that came out in 2015. Yikes. Uh, you also may know him as uh, the person who runs Clyde Common in Portland, as well as Pepe Lemoco in Portland, a couple of excellent bars, which I can personally recommend. Um, and then they actually don't need my endorsement, so who cares, whatever. Anyways, um, I've referenced Jeffrey Morgenthaler's The Bar Book a number of times on the show. His new book, again, is called Drinking Distilled, a user's manual. And it's a bit different from The Bar Book. There are a handful of recipes within uh, Drinking Distilled, but it's not really a book on technique or in recipe building. As the name implies, it's actually a book on the, it talks about the approach to spirits and drinking and getting the reader the basic knowledge they need to avoid mistakes when they decide to imbibe. Uh, perhaps it's easiest to convey what this means by reading the section titles. There are four sections in the book, and they are thus general instructions what you're drinking, when you're drinking, and where you're drinking. It's a very 
It's a very practical book and a quick read. It's also very funny. And although I've never actually met Mr. Morgenthaler, I've read his website for a number of years and obviously his other book. This book to me feels very much in his voice, if you will. Um, in the case of both of his books, I found myself nodding along with what I'm reading as well as picking up on new information or a new technique. So, you know, a little, a little knowledge can go a long way. So even if you consider yourself well-versed in the art of imbibing, I'd say pick up a copy of Drinking Distilled, a user's manual. I'm actually resisting the urge to just quote from the book because I want you to experience it for yourself. Um, and I will note that if you're on my Christmas list and you do have an interest in drinking, you can expect to receive a copy of this book coming your way this holiday season. And if you already have a copy and you get one, please forward along to somebody else yourself. Uh, that way we can keep this knowledge going a little bit further. Now, the recipe in this episode is well known to people who make cocktails. It is a planter's punch variation. And planter's punch, as you will recall, is one of strong, two of sweet, three of strong, four of weak. So that is the template that we're playing in. And then in this case, it is a planter's punch that is very much uh, geared towards a particular uh, Jamaican rum profile. So we're going to get there. We're going to get a good drink out of it. Uh, let's talk about how we got there. So uh, again, credit to, uh, I mentioned him in the, in the first part of the show, Brian DiMaggio, for not just providing me background on the rum, the Dr. Bird rum, and his contact with Two James Spirits, but also for pointing me to Planner's Punch as a good application for this rum while not overcomplicating this rum. So I'd heard a lot about making my ties with this rum back at Tiki Oasis in 2017, and, and I was pretty keen on that idea, and I kind of overthought things and racked my, drain, racked my brain trying to come up with something new and different. I wanted to use this rum and come up with some spectacular cocktail. And then I actually kind of decided, you know what, I'm just going to go to uh, making a, a generic, not generic, but a, a general planner's punch recipe. Uh, there's a Steve Remsburg planner's punch recipe in the Total Tiki app for iOS. Uh, it's also represented on page 212 of Beach Bunbury Remix, and that that quickly became my go-to cocktail for this summer and uh, spring. Dare I say the song of the summer was the Dr. Bird Planner's Punch. Um, and that actually resulted in a restocking order of my own for Dr. Bird from Canal Wine. I had to actually, I, I indulged in so many of them, I had to bring in a few more bottles to make sure that I didn't run out. So let's talk a little bit about the components of that recipe. Who is Steve Remsburg? Uh, if you're not aware, Steve Remsburg is one of the most, if not the most, renowned rum collectors in the world. Uh, he lives in New Orleans at this point, and his collection of rum numbers over 12,000 different bottles in his collection. And after seeing photos of his collection, there are some incredibly rare bottlings dating back to the 1800s. Uh, from reading different interviews with him, I understand that he will try and buy duplicate bottles where he can, um, and he does open and share bottles, but most of his collections are full unopened bottles. So if you were to go look at them, they would be uh, representative you could see old bottles of rum that have not been opened, and I think he buys duplicates and tries to share those. Um, anyway, the, Steve definitely understands and appreciates rum, um, and invariably any article written about him will include the uh, sort of generic question, what is your favorite cocktail, um, in which his answer is usually a planter's punch, and his preferred, or one might say perfected, version of the planter's punch appears in the iOS app Total Tiki, uh, as well as Beach Bunbury Remix, as I mentioned before. Uh, for those that don't know, the Total Tiki app is an iOS only, sorry, Android users. I understand this is a point of contention. Uh, it's an app developed by Martin uh, Dudorov that digitizes hundreds of tiki cocktail recipes, particularly drawing from the writings of Jeff Berry. Now, while I have bar copies of many of the Bums books, his newer tomes, such as Potion of the Caribbean and the 10th anniversary of Sip and Safari, 
They're really deluxe hardbound editions of books that don't lend themselves to the kitchen quite the same way as his old uh, spiral-bound groglog does, for instance. So um, if data entry is your thing, you can manually add a bunch of recipes uh, to a site such as PepperPlate, and then you can sync that across devices and, and access that via a web browser. Uh, but if you're in, already in the ecosystem for Apple and iOS, the Total Tiki app will save you some of that data entry time because it already has all the Beach Bunbury recipes. And it's also iPad, excuse me, iPad friendly, which makes it really usable in the bar and kitchen if you actually have an, uh, an iPad that you can put up in your bar. So all that being said, uh, the Steve Remsburg Planner's Punch recipe is within the uh, Total Tiki app and again within Beach Bunbury Remixed, which there's a link to that in the show notes. It's a very simple recipe. It is very delicious with the Dr. Bird. And here we go. It is three quarters of an ounce of fresh lime juice, one ounce of simple syrup, three ounces of a pot-stilled aged rum, in this case, Dr. Bird, and three dashes of Angostura bitters. Combine all those ingredients into a Collins glass and then fill that with crushed ice and swizzle that until the glass frosts over. That You actually make it nice and chilled at that point. Of course, you've also actually diluted the ice, so add more crushed ice to fill and then stir that to combine. Garnish it with a mint sprig, uh, put in a straw, and sip slowly. Now, um, that is a fine application of this rum. Uh, there are many other applications you may encounter. Uh, you can use it in a Mai Tai. You can use it in other, like a Navy Grog, things like that. I have, however, gotten stuck on the Planner's Punch as being kind of my go-to with Dr. Bird, and so I haven't really branched out too much from that. Um, just as a, a footnote, I used the same recipe, the same Planner's Punch recipe with Hamilton Gold, and found it to be fine. It was uh, still a good cocktail, but not quite as enticing as it was with the Dr. Bird. With the Dr. Bird, I wanted, uh, as an analogy, I would say, with the Dr. Bird, when I had that as a planner's punch, I wanted to get off that ride, that roller coaster, and then get right back in line and ride it again. With the Hamilton Gold, I enjoyed the ride and said, all right, I'm going to move on to the next one. Now, all that being said, with the Hamilton Gold, a daiquiri made with that rum is actually one of my favorite cocktails full stop. So in essence, going back to what we were talking about before, the blends do matter. They, they lend themselves to different cocktail recipes um, in different ways, and it's all very subjective based on your palate. So for me, I really like the uh, Hamilton Gold Rum Worthy Park blend as a daiquiri. I think that's sublime, and I really enjoy that. And then for the Dr. Bird, um, which is also a Worthy Park blend, I really like that with a planter's punch. So um, your results may vary based on your own tastes, taste, excuse me, tastes, uh, but I would encourage you to experiment even within the same sort of realm of rums that they're both Jamaican rums they're both blends but you get very different results so get out there make some different recipes and see which one you like that's it for the show thank you for listening the links are up on five uh, on the five minutes of rum website that's number five minutes of rum.com the show is also on itunes as five minutes of rum you can subscribe you can rate the show you can even leave a review the show is also on twitter and instagram as at five minutes of rum that's at symbol number five minutes of rum there's a lot of new uh, listeners or a lot of new uh, followers on the Instagram site for at five minutes of rum. Thank you very much for joining up. I hope to not leave you hanging on in terms of uh, new stuff to listen to, uh, but thank you very much for for following. Uh, please send any comments, corrections, and feedback and requests via the five minutes of rum website or on Twitter or Instagram. And now go get some rum. <laughs>